Okay, do you find anybody famous? Is there anybody famous in the house? Ah, oh, thanks, buddy. I like you. But this is another pretty exciting day. I was going to see if we can stretch the service out to 11 so we can have a, our one-minute silence being Remembrance Day, but we'll see how we go. If we don't, we'll stop later on anyway during your coffee. But we've got some baptisms happening again this morning, another three baptisms, but we're going to do that at the end. But I want to just talk to you quickly because we've actually been talking about what does it really mean to actually have a touch of heaven. And we talked about that last week, about how John the Baptist said, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And I got a feeling that God wants to tell us that it's more than just what you have up here, but I'm actually at hand. That the presence and the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That means that everything that comes under the realm of heaven, under the reign of heaven, under his kingship, is actually right at our hands. Now, I went to the basketball Friday night. Sorry, I didn't get to the baptisms. But I was at the basketball. Anyone go to the basketball Friday night? You might have seen me. I was wearing a red shirt. Yeah, I was wearing I was about three rows back, had my son's tickets, best tickets in the house, sitting back there, watching this game of basketball. I love basketball. There are moments when I do get excited in basketball, but I have learnt to try and not complain about the umpires, but I'm still learning that lesson. But I was there watching this game of basketball. We were playing the bullets, and we were doing pretty good. And then they were doing pretty good. Then we were doing pretty good. It got to about six minutes left in the game, and the game is a draw. And you think to yourself, well, that was a waste of the last 40 minutes, wasn't it? We might as well just had five-minute game, and that would have fixed it. So we're a draw at about six minutes to go. And what do they do? They make this longer, like any good preacher. They decide to go and have time out. So they have a time out, have a bit of a chat, go back on. The clock goes down again. Five minutes. What do they do? Let's call another time out. Why not? Let's make six minutes go for an hour. So we have another time out. They go back out on the court again. It gets to about four minutes. Now my head's looking up at the clock, looking down at the game, looking up at the clock, looking down at the game. And I'm thinking, what's going to happen? This place is full. It is a draw. Everybody could have, no, anybody could have won that game. And all of a sudden they pass the ball out. They pass the ball around. Norton gets the ball. He passes it to Cotton. Cotton's down the side. It's about two minutes to go. He's right on the, on the, free, on the three, three point line there. He's out there and he takes a shot and he sinks it. And my goodness, you should have seen the whole stadium 13,000 people in red shirts all just jumped up. I think I jumped the highest. And they were screaming. You don't look excited. I was excited. But no, 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 it was only one minute, you see. And, they, and that was enough, you see, because this guy, he gets from the other team, he decides to try and shoot it from one end to the other, and he missed it, right? But the thing was, Grant, the thing was, they were that close. They were that close. Anybody could have won that game. They were so close. It, it could have been anyone's game. Even when the guy shot it. I mean, imagine getting a three-point shot, right? You're now three points ahead, and some turkey shoots from one end to the other, and he gets it in. And then you lose it again. It's back to draw again. I mean, you would have been high one minute and low the next. But the thing is that it could have been anyone's game. Imagine being a Bullets fan and you're going, we were that close, like minutes away. 
from walking away with a draw. Although they would have had another five minutes and then they would have played longer. But they were that close. I wonder if you've just been that close to something. That you've been so close but you've just missed out. I was. I was that close four times to getting my driver's licence. Then I cheated and I managed to get it the fifth time. Um, I went round and round about the wrong way and I still got it. That's how I cheated. But I know, you're looking at my driving. But could you be that close? Maybe, has anyone met, we talked about meeting someone famous. Have you ever met someone famous? I know Gene Howe's here, I know he has, right? You met someone famous? Who was he? Whoa, Bruce. Hey, where did you meet Bruce? Whoa. Mate, good mates now, eh? Good mates. If I rang him up and said, do you, do you know Chris? He'd go, yeah, I know Chris. He was the guy when I was buggy, buggy smugglers down on Cottesloe, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, no, I, I, sometimes we can, I mean, I met the Queen once. Well, I didn't. I was standing outside her gate um, and everybody else was waving. Um, I was that close. But could we be that close to knowing the fullness of God and we actually sometimes just miss out? Could we be that close to knowing more of God than we actually know now, but we have just missed out? Because, see, I think that the person of God is more than just how we live. I think Christianity is more than about coming to church. I think our relationship with God has to be more than that. Could we be that close and yet not know everything that Jesus came to give us? Because he wants to give us the keys to the kingdom, he said. He wants us to know heaven's touch. Could we be that close to heaven's touch that we miss out? I want to take you to a story of a guy called Nicodemus. We'll call him Nick for short. It's a good name, Nick. So we're going to go to the story of Nicodemus. Go to John 3 for me, William. John 3. Everyone knows John 3.16. Someone quote it for me. Yeah, you've seen the placards. Right, well, we're not going down there. We're going to go to John 3, 1 to 15. So we're just going to miss out. Let's start. Now, I'm having to read from a real Bible today because I left my iPad in my wife's car. So we're going to see how we go. I might step back here a little bit. Here we go. There was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. Oh, we've got it up there. Cool. He was a Pharisee. After dark, one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miracle signs are evidence that God is with you. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. What do you mean? exclaimed Nicodemus. How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Good question. That's why he's a rabbi. Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to the spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear the wind but can't tell where it comes from or where it is going. So you can't explain how people are born 
of the Spirit. How are these things possible? Nicodemus asked. And Jesus replied, You are a respected Jewish teacher, and yet you don't understand these things. I assure you, we tell you what we know and have seen, and yet you won't believe our testimony. But if you don't believe me when I tell you about earthly things, how can you possibly believe if I tell you about heavenly things? Don't lift your head up. No one has ever gone to heaven and returned. But the Son of Man has come down from heaven. And as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. Let me take you to the story of Nick. Nicodemus actually means victorious. He was victorious. He was a winner. He was one of the wildcats. He was a winner. He understood what it meant to win. He was ahead of his game. He was, a good, he, was a, he was good at what he did. He was a winner. That was his name. That was his title. He was a winner for the people. And here's this man who was possibly part of the Sahedrin, they reckon, because he was, one um, translation says he was a ruler. So he was a man of authority. He was more than just a rabbi or even a Pharisee. He was a man of distinction and a man of authority. We read about Nicodemus a couple of times in the Bible. There's this time was the first one we read of him. Then about chapter 7, we read of him again where he's arguing with the rest of the, the uh, Sahedrin about whether they should go and capture Jesus and how they should do it. And he's the one who's opposing it. And then we also hear about him when Jesus dies. And of course, he's there um, making sure that he's buried properly. So this man is a searching man. He's a searching man and he's looking for some truths. What I find interesting about Nicodemus is that he was a knowledgeable man of the, what we understand as the Word of God, and they would have, it would have been the scrolls. He would have known them back to front. He knew them inside out. He studied them. He argued them. He taught them. He understood it better than anyone in this room would have done. He understood it. He knew how to be a good Christian, well, a good follower of God anyway, and he actually understood that. He knew how to live a good life. He knew what it was to repent. He knew what it was to make sure that you were cleansed. He knew what it was to actually honour and worship a God, Jehovah. He understood all of that. It wasn't as though he was a bad person. He would have been seen and and he he was honoured in his role. And yet he saw something in Jesus that said, you obviously have something I don't have. You see, I'm doing all the right things, but there's something about you. You've obviously come from heaven. You've come from God. I've seen you do the miracles, and I can't do those. So you've got something I haven't got. You know, we can come to church and we can read the Bible and I trust that you do and I encourage you to because it's powerful. It's the Word of God. It is. But you can do that and still feel like you haven't quite got it yet. There's something missing. What is it? 
And we do the prayers and we do the rituals and we go to church and we give our money and we tell other people about Jesus, but there's still something missing. And we read the stories of Jesus and we read the, the miracles and we go, well, let's try and explain those. That must have been in those days. That was because of that. That's because they didn't have doctors. And we come up with explanations, just like the Pharisees and the others would have thought of. I sometimes wonder if I would have been picked as one of the Pharisees who had all the knowledge and all the religious acts. It scares me sometimes. Because I think that's what's happening. But don't, don't get too hard on Nicodemus. Because you see, if you go to chapter 2 of John, you find Jesus is doing all these miracles. And it says in the last two verses, it says that people saw Jesus do these miracles and these signs and these wonders and they trusted him and believed him. And it says, but Jesus didn't trust them. In fact, if you took that word that they've used for trust, in some translations they called it commit, others say faith, others say believe. In other words, they were saying, we are going to commit to you, Jesus. We're going to follow you. But Jesus said, I don't trust you because I see what happens. And you've seen it. People get touched by God. People get healed. And then they go off and just live life as they always have. Maybe you've been one of those people, I have, who've said, hey God, if you would answer this prayer, I'll do such and such and such. Shouldn't bargain with God. But I have, and maybe you have. I'll go to church, I'll give, I'll do this, I'll, be, I'll serve you for the rest of my life. And God answers the call, and then we go off on our own ways again a little while later. It happens all the time. And Jesus said, oh, I can't commit to that because you're just, you're just following the experience. You see, it's got to be more than the experience. It's got to be more than that. It's got to be more than the rituals. It's got to be more than just a belief system. And Nicodemus picked that up. So what did he do? He decided to have a one-on-one -on -one meeting with Jesus. He goes to Jesus and he says, Jesus, I want to have a chat. So he goes at night. Now, some commentators will tell you that he went at night because he wanted to go in secret. Others will say that he went at night because during the day you're busy and so was Jesus. So let's go and have a, a typical Church of Christ 7.30 meeting on a Wednesday night. He went at night. He sat down. He had a small group meeting with Jesus. He sits down. He says, Jesus, I've noticed that you've got something to teach us. He says, Rabbi, in other words, teach me something because you've got something I need to hear. Sometimes we've got to get away from our busy lives. Sometimes we've got to get away from our appointments. Sometimes we've got to get away from our study. Sometimes we've got to put the Bible down, put the books down, put the podcasts down, put them down for a moment and step out and say, Jesus, can we have a one-on-one? -on -one? I hear all this stuff and I get excited about it, but ah, I want to talk to you. What is it? I remember a friend of mine, a good, a good friend, um, was my pastor, and he was known around our city as being the pastor you would have come and preach if you wanted to speak about why the Holy Spirit isn't for today and the gifts of the Spirit aren't for today. He was the man. He was very learned. He was an amazing preacher. He had a full church. I went to his church, and I remember sitting in his pews and for the first time thinking, God, I don't think I can sit under this. But people were flocking to his church. 
And he would talk about how tongues isn't for today and, and about... And I was a person who was experienced in those. So I'm going, this is really difficult sitting here listening to this. Well, one day, my good friend and... Uh, we end up being a, a my disciple. He, he discipled me a lot, and he decided that he was going to go to Korea. So he goes over to Korea to a large church in Korea that a bloke called Yongi Cho was founder of. And amazing things were happening in Yongi Cho's church. And my friend Des, he goes to Yongi Cho's church, and he is touched by the Holy Spirit. He's touched by the Spirit. Heaven touched him. He had the knowledge. He understood scripture. He could argue you black and blue. I used to have his whole written sermons. He used to type them all up on a little old typewriter. Those those things you press buttons and it goes click, 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 click. And I had them for some time. I ended up giving them to his son because I didn't think I should have them. But his book of Romans, his sermons were magnificent. But they didn't have a touch of heaven. They had a touch of man, an understanding of man. But when Des came back and he was filled with the Spirit, my goodness, when he had the Word and the touch of the Spirit, and you put the two together, as it says in Ephesians, you put the two together, you've got something powerful happening. This comes alive. But you see, it doesn't come alive unless you've got the both. You've got to have both. You've got to have the touch of the Spirit and the Word. That's what brings life. And that's what God wants to do. So Nicodemus, he goes and he seeks out Jesus. I want to encourage you today. I don't know where you're at. I don't know whether you've just, you've got into a place of walking with God, but they have lost that touch. Maybe you, th that you hear about it and you, you hear other people involved in what the Spirit of God is doing and the change of life that's happening inside, but you can't feel it anymore. I've been there in a drought. Maybe you need to go and meet Jesus. Get away from the noise. Get away from all the talking. Get away from all the other's opinions. Get away from the busyness and go and sit with him just for a moment. Nicodemus goes out and he sits with Jesus. And this is what Jesus says to him. And this is really interesting. He says, I tell you the truth. Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, that's a weird thing to say, right? Go get born again. Now, we have born again Christians all over the world, and I still don't know what they are. But what does it mean to be born again? See, if I was in that time, if I was a Jewish person, I would understand that. Because, you see, you were born a Jew, and you were born into Judaism. You were born as a Jew, therefore, you were part of the kingdom of God. He was your God. If you were a Gentile, the only way you could become a Jew is if you were born again. You had to be born a Jew. You can't just go and sign the dotted line. You can't just go to a church and say, I'll become a member. You can't just go forward. You have to be born again. And so the argument that Nicodemus gives to Jesus was a typical argument that would have happened in the synagogues. How do you get born again? These Gentiles want to become believers. How do we... Make them born again. And Jesus gives them the answer. He gives them the answer about how a person who isn't in the kingdom of God and under his relationship with him, how you can actually come into that relationship. And this is what he says. So Nicodemus asked the typical question and Jesus said, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God, be touched by heaven 
without being born of water and the Spirit. Humans can reproduce only human, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So, don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. Now, this is what I think he's saying here. He's saying, you know what? Humans, you make humans. You, you know how to do that. I'm not going to tell you how to do that, right? You know how to do that. Don't you? Yep. So you know how to do that. Humans give birth to humans. I want to suggest to you, humans give birth to religion. Humans give birth to rituals. Humans can actually go through the rituals of cleansing. You see, they would have seen Jesus, probably, I'm guessing here, but Nicodemus would have been near the place where Jesus was baptised. And maybe he saw John the Baptist baptising people in the water, because water was a physical cleansing. It was a ritual cleansing. I confess, I repent, and therefore I ceremonially get washed. I either wash my feet, or I wash my head, or I go fully under. It was a physical human thing to do, to actually become right. And he's saying, you need to do that. That's actually okay. You need to be made right in water, in the physical, so humans, you can do that. But there's something you cannot do, and that's be born of the Spirit. You can't do that. Only God can do that. You can't do it. And then he says, and you want me to explain it? Well, the wind just comes and the wind just goes, and I'm not sure, you know, it just blows where it wants to blow. See, the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, who's here today, who was made manifest over the church and birthed the church on that day of Pentecost, wants to blow into his church and make it new. Be born of the Spirit. He wants us to be born of the Spirit. And then he goes on to say, it's just funny, Jean Howe's here, and Pam, Pam and Jean, hi. Do you know Jean? Anyone know Jean? This is Jean. He preached a few times with Pam, just embarrassed them. Jean used to be a pastor here, right, for a while. He came on for a little while and they ended up staying for a while. Um, but Jean and I lived together for a while. And Jean was the person that brought me through into relationship with Jesus some oh, a long time ago now. And, uh, and I've, I'll never forget it. I'll never forget that time. But Jean and I, I've come to the place of, of knowing Christ. And I gave my life to Jesus and had a weird baptism, but we got baptized. And, uh, and I remember saying to Jean one day, we were living in the manse over here. Jean was living there and I batched with him for a while before I got married. And I remember sitting down with Jean one day and said, Jean, there's got to be more. I, I, I know the Bible and I've given my life to Jesus, but, and it's great and I'm feeling good, but there's got to be more. And the church here, had, I was asked to, as a young fella, which is why we need to keep encouraging our young people to do ministry because that's where you're going to grow. But I was asked to run a Bible study. It's probably your age young Tim, maybe a bit young, about your age. And I was asked to run the Bible class for the kids. I think I had even little Sharpie boy and I had uh, and a few others and I went, I can't do it. I can't 
do it. And, and Jean said, go away and read the book of Acts. So I did. I went away and read the book of Acts. See, I went away with Jesus. I went away from the noise. I went away from the questions and sat and asked the word, the questions, which is Jesus. And as I read that, and I went back to Jean, I said, man, those guys, something happened. Holy Spirit came upon them, and they came alive, and they were speaking stuff, and they were doing stuff that, was, that they weren't trained to do. And Jean said, do you want the Holy Spirit? So I want the Spirit. I want to be born of the Spirit. I remember he prayed for me and nothing happened. Thanks, Jean. Um, and, but that night, I sat in my room that was up the end of the house, and I had a manifestation and a, and a visitation of God like I'll never, ever, ever, ever forget. Because God wants to transform us with His Spirit and the Word. The two together. You see, what happened after this, if you go on and read the story a little bit more, it says this. Jesus says, didn't highlight it down in about 14 I assure you we tell you what we know and have seen and yet you won't believe but if you don't believe when I tell you about earthly things how can you possibly believe if I tell you about heavenly things no one has gone to heaven and returned but the son of man has come down from heaven the Son of Man has come down from heaven. What to live inside you? I had to do a funeral this week, and it was a, it was it was a tough funeral. But the people who and uh, people from the church here, it was their their family, and the family wanted nothing of God in it, and I needed to respect that. But I found it really hard. But I got a text from one of my elders here. And it was powerful. It was right at the right time. That's how the Spirit of God works. And he said, Steve, I know you're doing this funeral today. And I know you're struggling because you want to you talk about God. But he said, and I can't remember the exact words. I should get the text out. But he said, but the Spirit, you carry the Spirit with you. You see, you carry the Spirit with you. We rely about what we say. We rely on what we hear. We rely on what we know. But you see, there's a spirit that wants to birth heaven inside us. That's what God wants to do. We're going to come into a time of communion right now. And that time of communion is a powerful time. And as we come into communion, I want to ask you something. I want to ask you to consider something today. You see, communion is about coming before God and taking the things that remind us. He says, I want you to keep remembering what happened. You see, the bread is a reminder that he lived on earth. He did. And we take that bread, and when the helpers hand that bread out, just hold the bread and the cup. Don't, don't let's do this together, because I'm, I'm going to believe God is going to move today. But the bread is a reminder that Jesus, who has been to heaven and has come from heaven and he came to earth and he walked with man and he brought the kingdom of heaven with him, is there for you right now. And then there's the cup, which is a reminder of the blood, which is a reminder that he died on the cross. 
It sounds weird, but we remember that because that was significant for us. Because it's, that's where we find forgiveness. Now, I want you to hold the bread and cup for a moment. And forgiveness is a big thing. Because see, it's in forgiveness that the Spirit of God can flow. He can't flow through unforgiveness. He can't flow through bitterness. It's totally opposite to Him. So when I hold that in my heart, He struggles to get in the heart with it because it doesn't work. It's messed up. You know, a few years ago, and I confessed this before you, I did a silly thing. I've done lots of silly things. But a few years ago, we made a decision in my office, and I'll never forget it. Johnny Sharp, Johnny um, Slaney was there, so he'll remember it. And we made a decision. We made a decision where we would put performance and seeker friendliness before trusting in the Spirit of God. And so we held, we squashed a move of the Spirit. We squashed prophecy. We squashed that because he said, ah, oh, that, that wouldn't be seeker friendly. That's a dumb thing to do. And I confess that before you as a pastor. And I came before God about a year ago and I said, Lord, I have to repent of this because this isn't what you want in your church. You want to fly. And I held that back. And I apologize to you for that. And I apologize to God for that. But I'm saying no more. We want God to move in power because that's where lives are transformed. Lives aren't transformed by conviction. Lives aren't transformed by me talking it up. Lives are only transformed when the water and the spirit give new life. That's where lives are transformed. And I think that's what God wants to do. When we were in Chicago, Mark and I were there. We were having a chat about the stuff we were learning and what God was saying to us. And I really felt God saying, I want a culture that's not based on performance and process and procedure. I want a place where my spirit can move freely and touch lives. I think that's what he wants to do. So as we come to this time of communion now, I just want you to close your eyes for a moment. Say, Father, would you reveal to me, as you listen to this beautiful music, would you reveal to me now things in my life that have held back the transformation of your spirit in my life? Decisions that I've made, statements that I've spoken out, things that have just got in the way, reliance upon what I know rather than who I know. Father, would you reveal that to us? And I'm going to ask Father God as we take this bread now, and we take this cup, if you're in that place where you're going, you know what? I want to be born from above, not from below. I want to be born from heaven. I want to know that spirit. I'm not going to tell you what it looks like because I don't know. That's you and him. We shouldn't try and mimic it. We shouldn't try and pretend. But we should just ask. Because I want to be born from above. Holy Spirit, 
Would you bring new life in this place today? Would you fill us afresh? We start to seek the fruit of that spirit. Grow a harvest. That's beyond our imagination. Let's eat and drink together. Even just before we click the cups, can we just hold back on the cups just for a moment? Just be still for a moment. And maybe for you, you might want to just lift your hands out. Or you might just want to just be still. But I want you to go away with Jesus just for a, just for a minute. He said, would you blow your spirit in me? A fresh one. Thank you, God. Thank you that you are a God who wants to meet us where we're at. And you want to fill us afresh and give us new life. Amen. We're uh, going to collect up the cups now as we do. just want to give you, we're going to come into a time of baptism. We've got three people being baptized. I'll let them introduce themselves. 